to Miles Covered, a podcast about road construction for road construction people. My name is Royal Marty, and I will be your host. In today's episode, I'm joined by Aaron Witt, who is president and chief dirt nerd of BuildWit Media. BuildWit Media is a very diverse company where they help construction companies throughout the construction industry with marketing, onboarding of talent, and throughout the hiring process. Their company has been around for about two to three years, and they're a very quickly growing company. In this episode, we talk about Aaron's past and where he came from and how he started BuildWit, the struggles of the construction industry, and we talk a lot about acquiring talent, getting good help, and everything like that. And then we also talk a little bit about where the company is going of BuildWit, and then also where the industry is going. This episode was recorded in the thick of the COVID crisis, so there's definitely some some interesting things to to view there and to look at there. So without further ado, take a listen. All right. Aaron, thanks for thanks for joining us as a way of getting started. Uh, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Aaron Witt. I run a company called BuildWit. Started it uh, just over two years ago now. I, I was in the construction industry, studied engineering in college. I worked for a bunch of construction companies while I was in college. And uh, so, so I saw a lot of the industry very quickly. That was the plan out of college to you know, go into the construction industry, learn management, eventually start my own construction company. Um, that didn't, didn't work out as planned. I started sharing stuff online. It really took off and then um, got tired of my job just a few months after graduation. So I abruptly quit, started BuildWit and uh, started running around taking pictures and posting on social media and it grew <laughs> from there um, nice and, and organically. And then it's, it's today, it's a, a full scale you know, media consulting company. We have employees, lots of contractors, all the United States. Uh, we have partners in every corner of the United States now and, and it's been crazy. So in two years, I went from you know, just running around taking pictures, sleeping in my car to trying to run a company. <laughs> right. <been> crazy, <laughs> crazy ride so far. With a construction background that you had no intention of ever having a, a media company, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the last thing I, I ever thought I'd be doing. I don't view myself as creative or anything in the sport. I just wanted to go into construction. It's simple. You're picking up dirt, putting it somewhere else, but here I am. Right. So when you started, you just like, like when we started taking pictures and stuff, you just started posting them on Instagram and, and gathering a lot of followers and stuff. Is that? Um, so when I originally started, I basically just went through my phone, my photo gallery and my phone and chose and, and put into a folder, every construction photo I had on there that I'd taken over the past four or five years while I was working construction yeah. and started sharing those online. And then I started quickly running out of those pictures so I, I needed new construction pictures. So I bought a little drone and would fly it above construction sites in Phoenix, <laughs> where I'm from, and um, and 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 try to get new pictures. And, and it wasn't really kosher. I was just taking pictures, no, no permission or anything like that. And so there's like people <laughs> and, ever and ask me, like, hey, "What are you doing over there?" Yeah, uh, you know, with a drone, they, you're flying so far away; they can't, <laughs> they don't know who you are. So I uh, started taking a lot of drone pictures posting those that started going great moved to Texas uh, for construction right after graduation and then I would take my camera to work I just had a little you know 
starter DSLR camera that I would take and take pictures of, of the job I was on. And then I would take my drone out on the weekends. And that's how I, how I started with the photography stuff. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So like when you were growing up and stuff, were you into photography or? No, no interest at all. Um, <laughs> I'm still, I don't even consider myself all that interested in photography today. I don't consider yeah. myself a photographer or anything. It's just kind of a means to capture the story I want to capture and tell the story I want to tell and to create cool stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I'm not, I, I, I don't understand what my camera does all that well. You know, it's three basic functions and that's all I need to know. I really shoot with just one lens, one camera, keep it very simple. Right. You're not one of those guys I, that's going to argue with people about what, what, what lens is the best or anything like that. No, absolutely not. Because I don't know. I, I, I couldn't even talk to that subject because <laughs> I don't know enough. That's funny. So then what was it like when you started to realize you're like, oh, I, got, I actually got something here. I think I can, I can start doing this on my own. Um, it was really, I don't know. I think it was just out of necessity. I got, I didn't have any income or anything coming in, um, while, while I was working full time at another company, okay. but I just decided, you know, I think you have to decide one thing before you can, you know, step one before step two and step one was, I don't like my job and I don't want to be here anymore. So I need to leave. Yep. So I, I quit on a Tuesday said, Hey, I'm done Friday. And then moved back to Arizona that same weekend, you know, packed up everything I owned, moved back abruptly into my dad's house because I didn't you know, have any more income. And then I just had to create a company from there um, and to, to leverage what I already had done online and, and the pictures I'd taken to create something. Right. So it was really just out of necessity that I did it. I didn't have a plan or, or anything like that. I just knew I didn't want to be where I was. So made the decision to get out and then had to figure it out from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you like, when you started to pitch your first clients and stuff, what was your, like, what was your pitch? It was, I knew they were all struggling for people. And I, I still to this day think it's largely just a perception problem in this industry. Um, You know, heavy construction, mining construction overall, blue collar overall, it's all seen as a, a lesser type of work you know, way it's for, it's like a backup, backup plan. If you don't make it through college or whatever it may be. And, uh, it's either that, you know, seen as lesser than, or I think the majority doesn't even realize it exists mm-hmm. and doesn't realize how essential it is to society. Since that's a buzzword these days, essential, it really is essential to society. And so it's just, uh, you know, educating them about that. So that, that was my pitch is, Hey, there's this thing called social media. It's awesome. I'm reaching tens of thousands of people myself and I'm just a kid. You know, you're a company with all this equipment and all these people. Let's start putting some of that on social media as construction companies just a few years ago. And really today still are not really taking advantage of social media at all. Right. So I just kind of told them, Hey, let's take some pictures on your sites, let's show and show people who you are. So that was the sales pitch. And it was, the sales pitch was really less about, you know, looking back on it, less about what I could actually do for them and more about them buying into me and my vision because I think they just saw that I'm young and hungry and I want to do things differently in this industry and I want to tell the story and I want to go change things. But I think the early companies that we worked with kind of bought into that vision rather than what it could do for them since I didn't have any data proving what it could do for them yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so they're, 
you were focusing or, or trying to help them on, on not as much of like growing their revenue per se, but, but solving their problems of, of acquiring uh, talent and, 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 and workers. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, marketing helps grow revenue too, obviously, but um, that wasn't the focus. No one right. was sitting there saying, Hey, we need more work. We need more work. But everyone was sitting there saying, Hey, we just don't have enough people to do the work we have. And we could go get more work if we had the people. So the, the limiting factor was not the work, it was the people. And I think it's only going to get worse as time goes on. And more people are retiring, more people are going to college. It's only going in one direction. So there's only more and, and um, just a greater need for what we do as time goes on. Yeah, I think that makes I mean, that's, that makes tons of sense, right? Because um, my background is actually uh, mechanical engineering, and so mm-hmm. I, when I was done with school and everything, I was an engineer and worked my worked my way up and stuff. And we had the hardest time finding machinists and finding um, different different workers, like you say, that are quote unquote blue collar. Um, but those are, it's a very respected, uh, line of work and you do very well for yourself and, and it's, it's essential as well, you know? And, and I think that, I think that I'm in agreement with you that there is a, um, something that we have to get over as a society to, to get, uh, to inspire people to, to get into these fields more often. Cause it's, there's, there's not, there shouldn't be a negative connotation to it, but there is, you know? Yep. So do you, have you guys, um, obviously your clients have been successful in, in acquiring talent and, and, uh, or seen an uptick in, in acquiring, uh, workers and talent with, with your services? Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't lost very many companies we've worked with over the past two years. I mean, it's not that big of a sample size yet because it's yeah. a two year period. Um, but we've retained just about everybody, you know, for a lot of those reasons, it's, you know, we've helped them get more people in the door. We've helped them just reinstill pride in their current people. So, you know, reducing turnover is a big thing that we focus on rather than, you know, everyone, um, if, if people are quitting, people are quitting, people are quitting, you know, at first you'd say, okay, I just need to find more people, find more people. But instead you just sit there, well, why are people quitting? Then right. can we solve that problem and stem that leak so that we don't have to find you as many new people. And so uh, we help them with retention, and, and finding them, um, you know, on, on the finding people side, finding them, you know, totally fresh 18, 20 year old kids that don't know anything to, you know, experience VP level, uh, folks. And then, um, on the, on the business development side of things too, just getting them more work because that won't ever hurt. I don't think exactly. you know, most businesses out there aren't, <laughs> right. aren't going to be upset when you find them new work. So it's about, um, you know, uh, making them look really good. So when someone comes to them, they're, they're impressed but then also going and finding, finding the right people for their business. So, so it's a few different things right now. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's great. I think that's, it's a, uh, it's a very impressive thing to, to say that uh, you've, you've been, you've been active for two years and you've retained all of your clients, right? I mean, there's. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, trust me, we, we have lost a few and the ones we have lost are, it was really just a um, difference in values. And, yeah. and we've, we've kind of identified the reason why we've lost every, every company we have. So every single one of them has come with a ton of lessons. And, and now we've basically identified, you know, here are the, here's the five or 10 different criteria that a company needs to meet before we're even willing to work with them based on the lessons we've learned on, you know, what projects have and haven't worked. 
So um, that's helped too. So now, you know, going forward, we feel pretty good about everyone we partner with because there is a little bit of a vetting process involved. You know, they're vetting us. They're saying, you know, hey, is, is if I spend this money, is it going to be well spent and, and is it going to be a worthwhile investment? And then it's, it's the same way for us. Hey, our, if we spend our time and invest our time in you, is it going to be worthwhile for us? Because right. if we're just out for money, that's one thing, but we're not. We're out for long-term partnerships. So we want to take you know, a long time to get to know the companies before we actually sign up with them uh, to make sure that they're the right fit for us too. Uh, that's interesting. So do you, do you have an idea of like how long it takes you to kind of get to know and, and, and I guess like quote unquote data company before you guys? Yeah. I mean, some, some owners call us up and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to, ha- no, I want whatever you guys have, which is, which is awesome. So when they're really eager and ready to get on with it, it'll be, you know, a month of, of talking back and forth, a few bit larger conversations, to get to know one another. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've worked with companies, talked with companies for a year, year and a half, um, but before actually doing anything with them. And we're, we're currently talking with a few bigger companies right now. It's just the bigger you go, the longer the conversation has to go on for. Right. Right. And I used to treat all, all the companies as the same, but a 50 person company is, is nowhere near similar to a 750 person company. So, you know, the bigger the company gets, the longer the process. And it's, and, and even with really big companies that we want to work with one day, it's, you know, maybe five years down the road, but now we're just trying to you know, get touch points here, there, make sure they know who we are, make sure, you know, we can help them with anything they have. You know, if, if a problem arises that we might be able to solve real quickly, even if we're not getting paid for it, we kind of jump on it to start getting to know one another before, you know, five years down the road, we actually talk about, you know, a major agreement that, that that's our eventual goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that makes, that makes plenty of sense. <clears throat> so when you, cause your companies have obviously grown quite a bit in the last two years, what are the types of people and, and traits of people that you're looking at, you're looking for? As far as hiring or working with? Yeah. For h- hiring for, for build with. Um, so we, I mean, one of, one of the bigger things is we work remote. So everyone needs to be accountable. I mean, I tell people straight up, like, I'm not here to hold your hand. So if you need someone on top of you all the time to get your stuff done and giving you a list every day to knock out, it's just, just not the place for you. Um, we're looking for people that are flexible since our business is changing so fast. Our model's changing so fast. We're learning new lessons every day. We're screwing things up weekly. And as we screw up, we learn and then we, we pivot. So a lot of times, you know, what we were doing, what we thought was a genius idea a month ago, is yeah. the dumbest thing in the world today. <laughs> yeah. And so we need to you know, change our business accordingly. And that means, you know, maybe someone over here now needs to be over here to yep. accomplish the, the new mission. And um, so people need to be flexible. So um, independent, flexible. And then, you know, we travel a lot. So um, that's a whole other complexity to it. They just mm-hmm. have to be willing to go on the road and, and, and travel well with us. Um, it's kind of unique before we hire anyone full-time and we've done this with most everyone full-time now, we'll actually give them a project as, as a contractor because wow. starting out, we use contract labor um, to keep our expenses low. Yep. So the first year and a half, we didn't have any full-time employees and including myself, I didn't pay myself that, that year and a half. And so we just used contract labor. So, you know, an hourly rate per project, whatever it may be, you pay them with the project. And then if you like them, you can go to the next one. If not, 
you go find a new one. Right. And, and it, it worked out really well for us. So full-time now, you know, we'll have someone do a little project for us. Like we just hired a full-time web developer two months ago. Before we hired him on, we gave him uh, you know, a web page to go build and just got to see how he works with us, how we work with him, how his work is. And then we've already seen how he operates and kind of studied how he operates. Yeah. And if it fits in with us, then great. So, so that's a big piece of our hiring. And then I guess we have, you know, our core values. So we, we've established them pretty firmly over the past few months. So now hiring going forward, we're really going to hire on the core values. And, yes. and Dan and I go back and forth, you know, we talk about it's either hell yes or hell no. So if we don't get, if, if we don't think we're going to get along with that person, if our gut's saying, eh, maybe not, or if their quality is just not exactly where we need it to be, then it's just a no and we need to go on to the next direction rather than just make a mistake hiring the wrong person just because we need someone. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, not to make this about me, but those are, those are all things that we've experienced as well in regards to hiring and, and it's, it's, it's a challenge. And, and when you look back of like the successful hires, it's, it's the hires that you spend the most time with before um, getting started and stuff like that. So I, th- I think that, um, yep. that I'm sure many people <clears throat> would agree with that as well. So, yeah, what are, I mean, uh, hi, hiring in people's tough though. It's probably the hardest thing I do. And especially as a 25 year old kid, it's, uh, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to lead people, but I don't even know how to tie my own damn shoes. So <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to figure that out. It's very difficult time. It is. And, and, and I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm a young guy too, but, and, and you're, you're managing people remote, right? Which makes that even more challenging. And, and, and yep. also, and that's, it's just the trust thing. Absolutely. And then, you know, for, at least for us, the, the, for the people that work for us and everything and, and me, it's, it's about like culture and about like spend, you know, you, we all like each other and we like to spend time around each other and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, that's, that's a big hurdle. Um, that's gotta be a big hurdle that you guys have to overcome too, of, of kind of working remote, yep. you know, and, and stuff like that. So what are the, some of the biggest challenges or hurdles that you've had to overcome, you know, maybe in BuildWit or in your, you know, leading up to BuildWit and those types of stuff. Um, you know, I, I, one of the, probably the, the, maybe the biggest turning point of the company so far was you know, the first year of business, we were really focused on marketing, you know, website development, video projects, photos, social media, a little bit of graphic design. So we were just doing whatever these companies needed from a marketing aspect. And we thought that was all we needed to do. And um, you know, about a year in one of the, one of the companies we were working with, arguably our best, best client at the time said, Hey, we're going to go in a different direction just out of the blue when we were talking about a new agreement with them. And, um, so they wanted to go in a different direction. They said, you know, we don't, we don't need you guys anymore. We tried to convince them otherwise it was, you know, looking back on, I'm like, I wish I just didn't spend time on you know, trying to convince them of something they didn't want to believe in. Yeah. And, but that, that taught me that, you know, if my, like if, if, if our best client can just walk away, that's a huge problem. That is a huge problem and a huge vulnerability. So going forward, I need to make my business in a, in a very, you know, good sense, a company that they just can't walk away from. Yeah. And so even when they're cutting costs, even when times are tough, like, like they are now, they're looking at the expense on us 
and looking at it like I can't cut that because it's just too valuable to my company. So uh, it was a huge challenge to somewhat diversify past just marketing and, and, and learn how to do more things and learn how to serve them and solve other problems. But um, we've been able to do that over the past year. So that's why we've branched into HR and, and doing HR work and doing headhunting. And we just built a new uh, jobs platform for, for recruiting in the industry. We're working on business development. And, and so we're, we're trying to solve a lot of their problems now, you know, and we're still focused. We're still focusing on just heavy construction mining companies, but now we're solving quite a few different problems for the same companies. So even if they didn't want to use us for marketing, we're still there working in their HR department. We're still working with their business development guy. We're still, you know, offering the build it jobs platform to them. And then down the road, we'll have training and financial help. And then we have our partnership, which is a group of 30 executives around the United States that we meet with twice a year. So we're providing them so much more value yeah. than just solving one problem. So it's, it, you know, this is the best thing that could have happened to our business looking back at it now because it forced us to diversify. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Right. And so I didn't even realize before that, that you guys handled a lot of the HR and, and stuff or, or you could handle HR and all of that too. Yeah. We just kind of made it up as we go. Um, we've realized that all the companies we work with are just, they're really, really good at what they do. And that's building stuff, moving dirt, tearing stuff down, selling equipment, servicing equipment. But when it comes to operating their business, when it comes to winning new work, marketing, telling their story, HR systems, they are very archaic and they just don't know what they're doing. So, um, you know, we can, we can come in and, and maybe these companies, you know, can't justify a full-time HR consultant, but because we, we work with, you know, 20 companies in one time, we can go hire the HR consultant full-time and right. then give them five, 10% of their time. And then, you know, the nice thing is BuildWit gets to take 10% of their time too. So now we have technically, you know, full-time HR manager and at, you know, we have nine full-time employees. So having a full-time HR manager at nine employees doesn't make any sense at all. Right. But because we're lending 90% of his time to our partners and you just using 10%, it works out just perfectly. That's great. So can you talk a little bit about the, um, uh, the leadership group that you, that you just mentioned where um, you get like 20 of the industry uh, leaders together twice a year? Yeah, I, no, I don't even know how it really came about. Um, over, over the past few years, we've just found a lot of really great humans. Yeah. And, and that's just step one of, of, of choosing the companies we work with. There's, is their leadership, are they just good people? Cause you can kind of tell, you know, who's out for just money and profit mm-hmm. and, and there's good and bad business. And, and I didn't really believe that until I got into business and then you start to see the business world and you're like, yeah, there's people just out to go out <laughs> and take advantage of people, get money. And, and there's a lot of it out there. Yeah. Um, there's definitely fewer, just really good, wholesome people. Um, but fortunately our messaging and our brand and everything like that has just somewhat naturally attracted these amazing people to us. So we've gotten to know a lot of really great business owners um, over over uh, the, the past few years. And and I don't know what it was, but, you know, maybe someone saying, hey, you ought to get everyone together at some point and just have a have a discussion with all these all these people, all these business owners. And I said, OK, great, let's do it. So I spent a few months trying to figure out how to put on an event with <laughs> um, with a bunch of executives and with with no real agenda, no promises. I'd never done it before. 
but I just said, Hey, all right, I'm going to find a hotel. I'm going to find a, find a meeting room. We're going to sit in there for a day and a half and we're going to talk and we're going to have a nice dinner. I'll pay for it all. You know, you, you give me, I don't know, it was like a thousand dollars, $1,500 to sign up so I can just cover the cost of this thing. I'll arrange right. it. All you need to do is show up. And these are owners of companies, you know, very, very, very business busy people. But we had, we invited 17 the first meeting and 14 came because the other three had prior commitments. So right away, we had a group of 14 amazing people in the same room and just let the conversation run wherever it wanted to go to safety, to HR, to hiring, to training. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about marketing, but we tried to shy away from making it about us. We, we didn't want yeah. it to be make it about us. We're just the neutral party that got everyone in the same room and Hey guys, let's talk. And that's, I guess that's the special thing about our business model too, is we don't work with direct competitors. So okay. um, no one in that room, you know, no one in our partnership was what we call it. The builder partnership is a direct competitor of one another. So they can share honestly, they don't have to worry about someone going after what they're doing and everyone has a good heart. So no one's trying to do anything you know, bad in that group. And, and so we were supposed to have our second meeting um, in the uh, beginning of April this month. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, didn't work out, obviously. April uh, of 2020. Had, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, oh, yeah, I still don't know when it's going to be, unfortunately. But we had, I think, you know, 25 people sign up for that one. And then we have an online group with about 40 um, owners and, and key executives of probably 35 different companies in the United States. And we all communicate back and forth. Like lately, we've been talking about the uh, SBA loan, yep. you know, payroll protection program. So everyone's been going back and forth, sharing information about that and sharing information about their new safety guidelines for COVID and how they're still operating or how the you know governor shut them down in, in Washington or Pennsylvania. Or it's, it's been really invaluable just to have this group, especially through a time like this. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, uh you know, there's peer groups all over, right. Uh, for different like business owners and stuff like that. And that's, that's basically what you've created there. And I, and especially for, yeah. for particularly the, you know, the industry and, and that's gotta be extremely valuable for those people. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's awesome. I guess, yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's a peer group and it's nothing new. I mean, I wasn't the one that invented the concept of peer groups, but uh, we're trying to keep it really relaxed and not formal. And, and I feel like a lot of peer groups are a little too much, but yeah. this is just, you know, totally relaxed. No one's a competitor. Let's just talk, shoot shit. Um, I don't know if I can swear or not. No, that's we'll, fine. We'll edit that part out if I can. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going to talk business during the day, have a bunch of beers at night, and then we'll do it the next day and, and try to form some friendships while we do it too. Yeah. And it sounds, you know, just very raw and genuine and authentic, right? And <clears throat> We're getting there. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take, uh, like anything, it's going to take a few years to actually develop into what we think it might be, but um, we're doing our best to, to try to get it there. Yeah. So what on the construction and, and industry side, what do you think have been some of the biggest struggles, hurdles that, that, that companies are trying to overcome or have overcome in the last several years? I mean, the, the biggest hurdle against the people problem, and I think the biggest hurdle is themselves. They're most companies in this, in, in construction, mining, blue collar, again, it, it's all the same across the board. They're, they're so stuck in their ways. And, and so um, they, they just victim minded. It's, it's, 
you know, the colleges are taking all the kids or kids don't want to work anymore. Or, yeah. you know, they just blame everyone instead of actually sitting back and saying, okay, this isn't changing anytime soon. And in complaining, not doing anything about it. So why don't I instead take responsibility and try something new? And, and until they do that, until they get out of their own way, they're going to have a people problem. I mean, it's just, it, it, they're not going to be able to attract that next generation. Yes. So that's, that's their biggest problem, I think. And, and biggest problem in the industry is the industry just needs to be a little bit more open-minded and we don't have to soften up. We don't have to, we don't have to be, you know, kinder and, and, and gentler on people. Cause I still think, you know, the, it's a very hard industry, which is why it's great. Yeah. But at the same time, we need to approach things a little bit differently and open ourselves up, be a little bit more vulnerable and, and take that first step rather than expecting this, you know, next generation to take the first step towards us instead. So I think that's the biggest struggle the industry faces is just adopting a new mentality towards being vulnerable, putting themselves out there, telling their story, training, investing in their people, treating their people better. And if they do all those things, they won't have a problem hiring people. And a lot of the companies we work with really don't have big people problems. They have more applications than they know what to do with a lot of these companies just because they're the companies that are treating people better and do have nice equipment and do, you know, have all the latest technology and are just great places to work overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, it seems to me as well from, uh, from, from our perspective that, that the, the industry does need to, you know, kind of, catch up a little bit um, with, with the rest of the world and, and stuff like that. And there is a, there is a struggle, right? And like, I, at least I, I notice it um, on our side that sometimes even, even inside companies or organizations there, there might be one person that wants to take it, you know, to the quote unquote new, new direction. And then there's, there's still a pull to take, to, to take it back to where, um, what's norm or what, what is like the norm. And, and, and that'll be interesting to see how over time that, that evolves and, and that keeps going. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to take a long time to get there. I mean, it, it'll be a decade, decade long process, but um, we don't, I don't have any time to wait. So that's why I'm working with the companies that are already doing it, already doing things differently, already treating their people, right. Already training their people. And then just helping them become even better and grow even faster and become the future of the industry. Because I, I got tired of trying to convince all these old school companies to do things differently and said, you know what, forget it. If you guys want to do things your way, you do things your way. And it's worked out very well for you. You know, you're a half billion dollar your company. So I don't, I, I don't blame you for not listening. Right. I mean, why, why would you listen to me? <laughs> I don't know anything. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, so you keep just making, you know, money hand over fist over here complaining about the problem, you know, people and how they don't want to work. And I'm going to go over here and work with the people that aren't complaining that are taking responsibility for the problem and that are doing things differently. And then uh, 15, 20 years from now, we'll compare notes and see which, you know, which one was right, because who knows, maybe I could be wrong. I don't know. Right. right. Yeah. I, I fully agree with that. And I think that, um, that, you know, again, not to make this about me, we, we make different products that, that require different construction techniques and stuff. And that's what we have found ourselves too, is like, is, you know, when we run into customers that are, that are against it, it's like, we don't even, uh, it's, it's not a dig. It's like, yeah, you've been doing this for however long you've been doing it and it's worked great for you and that's fine. 
but we're, we're going to go find people that, that are interested and, and want to work with us and, and want to try new techniques and want to evolve and, and, and that type of stuff. And, and I don't, I think much like you, I don't view it as a negative thing. It's just, it's not for everybody. No. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's where you want to be as a business, not for everybody. I think the businesses that want to be for everybody are the ones that eventually fail because right. they're just trying to cater to customers pushing them around. And it's just like, once you realize that the customer is not always right and that they don't always know what they're doing and, and what they want, yep. you get free to do exactly what you please and to carry out, you know, the mission and vision you want to carry out. And that's where we got to really early on, fortunately, is that, you know, Hey, these people might not be right. We think we're right. And, and not from an ego sense It's just, we just know things need to change. So uh, let's go in this direction. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and you also, you just can't please everybody. Right. And because you're just, you're only, you can only do so much uh, 100%. And so at that yep. point you're, 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 you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in my opinion as well. Yep. Um, Absolutely. So what are, what are some of the, I, I think we talked a lot about, the changes and stuff that, that you, you foresee or you are working towards in the industry. Um, are there any others that, that you think um, like, are there any other things that you think need to change or must change for, for the industry or, um, or anything like that? I think again, it really comes back to people and, and companies investment in their people. I see very, low investment in people across the board where, you know, training and investing in people is the norm in most other industries these days in construction. It's, it's just not, I mean, companies really don't spend very much time training, yeah. even new hires. They'll put them through, you know, two hours of, you know, here's the very basics of our benefits and all right, go get them and push them out to the field and, and really never see them again in, in the office. And, and instead, I think companies need to spend a lot more time training their people, uh, making their people feel appreciated, you know, investing in the safety training, um, teaching how to run equipment properly. Since people just kind of learn how to run equipment, there's no right or wrong way to learn how to run equipment. Right. It's just, you kind of watch that guy running an excavator and then you get in it, you mess around and then all of a sudden you know how to run an excavator, but you're never actually taught what to, you know, what to do with the machine, how it actually works. Yep. So, um, you know, I think going forward to the industry is going to have to spend a lot more money and time on training. And, and I, I think they're all hesitant to do that now because there's so much turnover and because people you know, zip around company to company. Yeah. But once you start actually spending the time and money on people, they won't, they won't leave. And then you'll have a much better, much more equipped workforce than anyone else. Yeah. So, you talked just very briefly right there for about like the onboarding process of, of, of employees. Do you, can you talk a little bit about um, like what you, what you guys recommend as the onboarding process for, for some of your clients and, you know, just general things. So right now, I mean, we're still trying to figure that out. So do I have an answer for that? No, no yeah. I don't. <laughs> um, but we're, we're, we're working on it. I'm just looking at the current onboarding process and it being, Right, my, it's a one bedroom apartment. So there's oh. lots of noise going on in the background. Um, um, you know, there's, there's just no onboarding process. They give them a packet of information, you know, sign your name here, sign your name there. And then they push them out in the field. They, they very rarely touch on their safety practices. They very rarely touch on how they do things, how they communicate, 
why they provide this healthcare for people, how to sign your family up for this kind of stuff. So it's just about going into greater detail on a lot of these things, spending more time training people up front. So they, they do go into the field with some sort of awareness and maybe they do have 30 years experience. That doesn't mean they know how you do it. Every company does things a little bit differently. So just training them on how you do things is, is beneficial, even with really experienced people. And then, um, we're going in, in more into, um, you know, culture and values-based training as well. So that's where we're going is, and I just spent, you know, a week developing our, uh, new culture book instead of, instead of this employee, uh, handbook that no one reads and no one cares about. Right. We're actually developing a really beautiful culture book, talking about our culture, talking about our values, talking about our mission, our, you know, the companies we work with, how we choose them, how we think, how we act and really explaining our company as a whole. And it'll be a really beautiful book too. It'll be pictures and it'll be a lot of fun to actually read and, and reference as, as time goes on. And then that's going to be the basis to, you know, what we'll be training on when new hires come on, uh, you know, training them about our culture and, and, and values and why, why we act the way we do. And I think construction companies are no different. They need to start, you know, one, establishing their values, what's important to them, which is what we're working through with all the companies we work with. And then how do we train our people and explain why these values are so important to us and how they actually play out in the field or how they actually play out in our company? Absolutely. And what, what um, I have seen um, for even for us and, and others is like, is we have done a very similar thing um, in regards to our internal documentation where our manuals and everything are very nicely formatted. Um, it looks pretty, there's pretty pictures, there's, there's nice things to look at. And uh, I think that that carries through, right? Like when you're reading that, you're like, this is actually like somebody put a lot of time into this. This isn't something that um, somebody just cranked out in, in Word in, in an hour because they just need to check a box, right? And um, Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's a lot something. of explaining the, the why too. Yes. And uh, that's what I tried to, you know, here's what we believe in, here are the policies, and here's why we believe in this. Here's why we do things this way. And if you don't agree with it, this isn't a place for you because there's no arguing here. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's a lot of times it's just explaining the why to certain things so people really can understand why we do things. And that goes to, you know, we just developed a safety program too. So it's not just forcing policies down people's throats. It's really taking the time to explain, you know, why you have to wear a hard hat, why you have to wear safety glasses, why we have to be the example for others to follow. And then, you know, they take of it eventually and then they go train people on the why, you know, after they've lived it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. Um, and then the other thing that I, I wanted to just share a little bit too, is that, um, of course our business is different, um, where we're much smaller, we don't have hundreds of employees and stuff. But one thing that we have found to be very effective is when employees are just getting started, um, we spend somebody's basically spending almost the whole week with them of, of like showing mm -hmm. them around and, and stuff like that. And then um, usually we'll even send them like a gift that night, like to be delivered at their house. Like, so if it's flowers or cookies yep. or something like that, and, and that's um, you know, it just makes them feel apart and, and getting, getting, knocking down, knocking down that initial barrier as quick as possible is um, has proven to be uh, very important. Yep. Yeah, we do something similar. Like we send them, I have three books I want everyone to read. So I send them the three books. I send them their their new hard hat, their new, you know, build with branded vest, their yeah. their safety, 
stuff, few stickers, and then a little just handwritten note, you know, thanks. We're, we're happy to have you and, and try to set the tone right away from the beginning. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, I, I think all of our people get tired of me talking about handwritten notes because I, I'm a huge, huge fan of them. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I spend a lot of time doing them too. Exactly, because it's just nobody. It doesn't happen anymore, and I think you know, and yep. nobody gets anything in the mail, and so other than junk mail, and when you get something, you're like, well, what is this? And it's a handwritten note. I think yep. it shows, you know, the, that you are important to them. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I think it's uh, it's been uh, very enlightening and, and to to hear to hear your your perspective and, and hear your side of it. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, you know, thanks for thanks for having me. I really appreciate your interest and, and I appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm.